this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Hear these beautiful words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. May God add his blessings to the readings of his word. Let's bow our heads. Precious Lord, this is such a tremendous message to know that you are the God who has always been, who is now, and always will be. You were the beginning, you created the beginning, and you have been here with us forever and will continue that. And you are the light that only you can provide in our world. Before that was darkness, and now there is only light because we know the light of your love and your saving grace. Lord, we just let that try to fill every single corner of our being. We want to just draw that in and let your light shine brightly through us so that others may know that, others may see that, and come to know and be one of yours as well. And so, Lord, we just pray this day that more and more people will come to know you, will come to love you, and come to be part of that light. As we have the teaching this morning with Pastor Mike, we just pray that our hearts will open even wider to receive that message, to hear the words, soak them in, and take them into our very beings. We look forward to the Christmas message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
Well, I do want to welcome all of you to worship this morning. It's so great to have you here at Marion Methodist on this Christmas morning. A little bit brisk outside, but we know about that. We're from Iowa. I do want to welcome all of you that are joining us on the church online. It's a pleasure and a blessing to have you here. And I want to start uh, my comments in this way. I want to thank uh, our entire tech ministry. Um, three services last night, service this morning. All of them have families as well. So would, uh, uh, would you give our great tech ministry a hand? They're wonderful. Thank you all. And in a couple of minutes, I won't say it then because it's going to be during the course of the talk, but our communications uh, director, uh, Jenny Wildman, uh, helped us put together a video with two of our members, uh, Lauren and Andy Cutler, uh, that's going to be kind of the center core of what we're doing this morning. So when you see Jenny, uh, thank you for that because her work is magnificent. So the Christmas message is clear. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. It's kind of interesting being a pastor on Christmas morning, because the pastor and the Christmas message really have to go together. And I was reading about uh, what one of my friends said online, and he said, listen, pastors, if you get up to preach on Sunday morning, that's Christmas Day, Bless it, but don't mess it. Don't get too complicated. Simply give them Jesus. So that's what we do at Marian Methodist, and that's what we're going to do here this morning. Christmas celebrates God's crossing the line in human history. Everything before Christ we note as B.C. or before Christ, and everything after is A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. J.B. Phillips, who was this creative biblical translator and an imaginative writer of the last century wrote a story and I'm going to let it tell a portion of the Christmas message he told it this way it's called the visited planet take a look once upon a time a very young angel was being shown round the splendors and glories of the universe by a senior and experienced angel to tell the truth the little angel was beginning to be tired and a little bored. She had been shown the whirling galaxies and blazing suns, infinite distances in the deathly cold of interstellar space. And to her mind, there seemed to be an awful lot of it. Finally, she was shown the galaxy of which our planetary system is but a small part. As the two of them drew near to the star, which we call our sun, and to its circling planets, the senior angel pointed to a small and rather insignificant spear turning very slowly on its axis. It looked as dull and dirty as a tennis ball to the little angel whose mind was filled with the size and glory of what she had just seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing with his finger. Well, it looks very small and rather dirty to me. What's special about that one? That is the visited planet. Visited? You don't mean by... Indeed I do. That ball, which I have no doubt looks to you small and insignificant, and not perhaps over clean, has been visited by our young Prince of Glory. And at these words, he bowed his head reverently. But how? Do you mean that our great and glorious Prince, with all these wonders and splendors of his creation, and millions more that I'm sure I haven't seen yet, 
went down in person to this filthy rate little ball? Why should he do a thing like that? It isn't for us to question his whys, except that I must point out to you that he is not impressed by size and numbers, as you seem to be, but that he really went, and all of us in heaven who know anything know that. As to why he became one of them, how else do you suppose that he visited them? The little angel's face wrinkled in disgust. Do you mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures of that floating ball? I do. And I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. For strange as it may seem to us, he loves them. He went down to visit them, to lift them up, and to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond her comprehension. Close your eyes for a moment, and we will go back in what they call time. While the little angel's eyes were closed, and the two of them moved nearer the spinning ball, it stopped its spinning, spun backwards quite fast for a while, and then slowly resumed its usual rotation. Now look! And as the little angel did as she was told, there appeared here and there on the dull surface of the globe little flashes of light, some merely momentary, and some persisting for quite a time. Well, what am I seeing now? You are watching this little world as it was some thousands of years ago. Every flash and glow of light that you see is something of the Father's knowledge and wisdom breaking into the minds and hearts of people who live upon the earth. Not many people, you see, can hear his voice or understand what he says, even though he is speaking gently and quietly to them all the time. Why are they so blind and deaf and stupid? It is not for us to judge them. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it is to live in the dark. We hear the music and the voice like the th sound of many waters every day of our lives. But to them, well, there is much darkness and much noise and much distraction upon the earth. Only a few who are quiet and humble and wise hear his voice. But watch, for in a moment you will see something truly wonderful. The earth went on turning and circling round the sun. Then quite suddenly, in the upper half of the globe, there appeared a light, tiny, but so bright in its intensity that both the angels hid their eyes. I think I can guess. That was the visit, wasn't it? Yes, that was the visit. The light himself went down there and lived among them. But in a moment, and you will be able to tell that even with your eyes closed, the light will go out. But why? Could he not bear their darkness and stupidity? Did he have to return here? No, it wasn't that. They failed to recognize him for who he was, or at least only a handful knew him. For the most part, they preferred their darkness to his light, and in the end, they killed him. The fools! The crazy fools! They don't deserve- Neither you nor I, nor any other angel, knows why they were so foolish and so wicked. Nor can we say what they deserve or don't deserve, but the fact remains, they killed our Prince of Glory while he was man amongst them. And that, I suppose, was the end. I see the whole earth has gone black and dark. All right, I won't judge them, but surely that is all they could expect. Wait. Wait. 
we are still far from the end of the story of the visited planet. Watch now, but be ready to cover your eyes again. In utter blackness, the earth turned round three times, and then there blazed with an unbearable radiance a point of light. What now? asked the littlest angel, shielding her eyes. They killed him all right, but he conquered death. The thing most of them dread and fear all their lives, he broke and conquered. He rose again, and a few of them saw him, and from then on became his utterly devoted slaves. Thank God for that. Amen. Open your eyes now. The dazzling light has gone. The prince has returned to his home of light. But watch the earth now. As they looked, in place of the dazzling light, there was a bright glow which throbbed and pulsated. And then as earth turned many times, little points of light spread out. A few flickered and died, but for the most part, the lights burned steadily. And as they continued to watch in many parts of the globe, there was a glow over many areas. You see what is happening? The bright glow is the company of loyal men and women he left behind. And with his help, they spread the glow, and now lights begin to shine all over the earth. Yes, yes. But how does it end? Will the little lights join up with each other? Will it all be light as it is in heaven? The senior angel shook his head. We simply do not know. It is in the Father's hands. Sometimes it is agony to watch, and sometimes it is joy unspeakable. The end is not yet. But now I am sure you can see why this little ball is so important. He has visited it. He is working out his plan upon it. Yes, I see, though I don't understand. I shall never forget that this is the visited planet. For Christmas, to be exceptionally merry, the visited must embrace the context of the visit. There was this prophesied visit, as you saw in the video. For years and years, God continued to, through his prophets to say he was coming. He was coming in a powerful and personal way. And in, in, in our culture, we call that the time that we know as B.C. And then there is the visit where God comes and lives the line in the person of Jesus of Nazareth by incarnating himself. And after the visit, we live now in the year of the Lord, no matter what year it is. So for Christmas to be exceptionally merry, the visited must embrace the context of the visit. And when the visited embrace the meaning of the visit, then Christmas truly is merry. To embrace the meaning of the visit, Christians celebrate the cradle of Jesus. Oh, don't we love the cradle of Jesus? He descended leaving heavenly glory to become one of us. Understand this, friends. When we celebrate the baby in the nativity, we need to understand that a baby did not send a baby. A baby was not sent by a baby. The Lord himself came, and he took the form of the baby. Remember the dialogue you just heard. Why would he become as one of them? And the answer is, how else could he visit them? He loves them. And he went down to lift them up at the cradle in the humble surroundings of some sort of a stable in Bethlehem of Judea, Emmanuel. 
God with us. And in every way, we don't need a God. We need God with us. In every way, God yearns for us to be with him. Not only does God want to be with us, but he wants us to be with him. And so when the visited embrace, the meaning of the visit, Christmas is exceptionally merry, and we are to embrace the meaning of the visit. And when we embrace the meaning of the visits, Christians need to commemorate the cross of Christ as well. You know, we love the songs of the nativity. We even showed you one today you hardly knew, didn't we? It's always good to find a Christmas carol. And when we were, they were warming up, I said, I've been around a little while. I don't know that one that well. But we love all the songs of the nativity. We love that vision of a baby in a manger. We love how when we sing away in the manger, nostalgia and, and warmth just wrap its arms of, of love around us. We love every single thing that is Christmas. And we embrace Christmas because Jesus passes through it to address the deepest needs of your soul and of my soul. Remember the dialogue you just heard. We who live in the splendor have no idea what it is like to live in the dark, but for them, for us, there's much darkness and great distraction. So he conquered death and sin, the things they dread the most. See, Christmas leads to your and to my redemption through the ugliness of the cross. I know in churches we put pretty ones up, but the cross is the ugliest thing in all of human history. Christmas leads to Jesus inserting himself between you and what you deserve for your sins. It, 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 it is Jesus inserting himself between you and everything that pulls you away from God. Christmas commemorates that every single debt that we owe for our negligence to God's word, for our willful turning away from his way, he pays fully and completely. No debt is owed by you. Christmas commemorates that on the cross, Jesus takes the worst of us on to give us the best of him. We commemorate the cross at Christmas because a body can die, but Emmanuel never does. The visit never ends when we receive Christ in our heart. And to embrace the visit, the, the meaning of the visit, Christian, Christians need rejoice, rejoice that Christ lives beyond the cave. You know, when he, when he died on that cross, Joseph of Arimathea and others wrapped his body up they put him in a cave, and they rolled the stone in front of it. But even at Christmas, we need to remember and we need to point our spirits towards the fact that no grave can hold him. He ascends to his heavenly glory and invites us to join him there in our moment in time. And in the meantime, and in the meantime, for our Christmas to be exceptionally merry, the visited, need to live the meaning of the visit I love the ending of that video that story that J.B. Phillips wrote probably nearly 60 years ago now the bright glow is the company of the loyal the company of the loyal are among those those that show up on Christmas morning for worship 
It's not just that Jesus says when two or three of you are gathered, there I am in his midst. Or as we interpreted it in seminary, when two or three of you are gathered, we take an offering, right? We need to understand that beyond us, those that are here, those are that with our family, those that are, are, are traveling, we, we need to understand that the church of Jesus Christ is the company of the loyal, and we are part of that. He left us behind to live the truth, not just to know the truth, but to live the truth and share the glory of that truth with all who would come around us. That's when Christmas is truly merry. We understand the joy and the celebrations. We understand how much we love to sing these songs. We understand our traditions, whatever it is, eating tea rings, joining together for ham, or whatever it is, if you can afford one this year. I don't know. But we love Christmas because it connects a cradle with a cross and beyond the cave. And it sends us into the world to live that glow so let's do that at Christmas let's do that not just at Christmas but every day let's live the glow of Christ let's spread that merriness that is Christmas to all we are the beloved of God he has chosen us we need to choose him back we are the beloved of God and we are to tell everyone why Christmas is so excitingly merry will you join your hearts with mine let us pray. God of all places, you are the one and only. You are the first and you are beyond the last. And years ago, you prophesied to us that there would be a moment when you crossed the line in what we call history and you would incarnate yourself and everything that was before that mattered because you were sending your messengers and your prophets to call others, warning them to put their hearts right with you. And then in that moment, in Bethlehem of Judea, you came, became as one of us. We, of course, are humbled by the faithfulness of Joseph and Mary. We are thankful that so many made the trek. We are thankful that your angel spoke to the shepherds and the light in the east glowed for the, shepherd, for, the, for the wise men, the magi, to follow. And we are glad that that was not just for a moment, not just for a point in time that changed our calendar, but it's for every point in time. And that even today, you are present in yourself, Emmanuel. You are God with us and you will never leave. And so, Lord, in honor of that, the fact that you came to visit us and by the presence of your Holy Spirit stay with us. We give you honor and glory and we dedicate our lives and even more importantly, we dedicate our living to you. In the name of the firstborn of heaven and the first one to beat the grave, Jesus our Savior, we pray. Amen. <laughs>